Hey everyone, in case you haven't noticed, we live in some confusing, challenging, and changing times. It sure isn't easy following Jesus in 2023. How can we stay grounded in our faith, stay true to biblical convictions, and become more like Christ all the while speaking the truth in love with the lost and hurting around us? This is Real Christian Talk with Pastor Steve. Welcome, and thank you for listening to this episode of Real Christian Talk. It has often been said that no great empire is brought down from a threat outside of itself, but rather usually every great empire in history is brought down first as a result of internal decline and division from within. What happens when we become so divided, so polarized, and so tied up and tied down by being focused on trivial matters that we lose sight of the potential to which we have been called. This has been on my heart very heavily over the last few weeks, and so I wanted to begin this episode as I always do by reading God's Word. Straight out of Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 7, the Bible says this, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be now might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. I I wanted to re reread that one particular verse that says in verse 10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and to the authorities in the heavenly places. What a powerful word and a powerful scripture about what God has called the church to be. The church is meant to be the ultimate display and demonstration to the world and particularly to the spiritual forces of evil at work in the world of God's wisdom, of God's wisdom in bringing about the grand salvation, redemption, and reconciliation of mankind, first and foremost between mankind and God, but also between man himself. That is the ultimate calling and the purpose of the church. And as such, as that being our calling, as that being our charge, our purpose to display and demonstrate God's wisdom to an unbelieving and skeptical world, Jesus spent an awful lot of time before he left this earth praying for the church, meaning all believers in Christ, to be one, to be one the same way that he was with the Father in heaven. It is only when the church dwells together in unity that the church has been able throughout its history to fulfill God's mandate and God's potential to make a mark on the world for Jesus Christ. We happen to live in very divisive times ourselves. For those of us who live here in the United States of America, we live in a period, perhaps unlike any since before the Civil War, of intense division and polarization. In fact, I would dare say that America's greatest threat currently is itself. Its greatest threat is the implosion of our nation into the abyss because of distrust of our bedrock institutions 
and because of the partisanship and polarization that has truly gotten to such difficult and dangerous levels here in just the last few years. Actor Chris Pratt commented on that, talking about how we need to be careful to not lose the 9-11 effect. Referring to the immediate aftermath of patriotism and unity that swelled up in our country in the immediate aftermath of the 9-11 attacks, he urged Americans to come back to that sense of unity and patriotism. It's interesting because just over a week or so ago, as we remembered 9-11, which happened to have its 22nd anniversary since that horrible, infamous day of attacks on our country, I was, I was really reflective of how on social media, every year it's kind of become a tradition, you'd see people posting different pictures, different posts, you know, reflecting on 9-11, and, and usually you'd see pictures of of the Twin Towers or, or something that that's, you know, symbolizes the day. And often we'll still see a hashtag of never forget, never forget. That's always, you know, what we talk about, never forget. Well, I fear we have forgotten. We have forgotten indeed a lot, not just about the events of that horrible day when those four planes were hijacked by Al Qaeda and used as weapons on our nation, but I fear we have forgotten about the lessons that we did seem to learn, and we have forgotten the unity that came out of that horrible day of tragedy. I remember reflecting on how there was such an outpouring of national unity as a result of those attacks. We saw uh, American flags everywhere. We saw churches that were packed. We saw Republicans and Democrats uh, stepping on the cap, you know, standing on the Capitol Hill uh, steps, singing "God Bless America." There was such a national euphoria and unity, and and at that time we were not liberals and conservatives, we were not uh, Democrats and Republicans, we were Americans bound together because of the fact that we were citizens of this nation, who all felt the fear, the shock, and the awe, as well as the uncertainty that came in our nation in the immediate weeks, months, and the first couple of years after that horrible Tuesday morning in 2001. And I remember the collective resolve we all seemed to have as a nation, you know, uh, just as a country, a resolve that that we were going to defend our country and, and we were now at war against terror and terrorism and and I remember the desperation we all felt for God as well. I mean, our nation had been had been shaken so deeply to its core. And we rallied around each other and relied on God. And it was beautiful. And that aspect, that atmosphere, in the immediate months following that horrible day, I still remember. And yes, I do miss. And I do uh, believe it's important that we never forget, that we never forget, the lessons that we did get out of that. But sadly, in the last 20 years, we have indeed forgotten. We have become so bitterly divided, so polarized, and I don't have to list all the, the various factors that brought us to this point that we are now at as a country. But I was so concerned just this past week when I observed on my newsfeed on social media, you know, when you're scroll through and you look at different things and you, you see different things that are posted. I saw a fellow Christian 
And this fellow Christian, who I I, I don't know him personally, but I I, I saw him, um, met with him at a ministry event that we both attended, and so we, you know, we we kind of from there, uh, you know, connected on social media, and and so I've seen his posts, and and in his post he listed a bunch of grievances about politics, and proceeded to reference some Bible verses. And then he said the following statement. He said, we need a civil war. He actually said that we we need to have a civil war. A Christian using Bible verses. And then somehow, and I will add, twisting those Bible verses out of context, somehow urging and, and messaging we need to have a civil war. Now, first of all, I, I love history. I've been to Antietam, Gettysburg, and several places in our nation, um, you know, commemorating the Civil War. We do not need a new Civil War. Um, and, and for all the rhetoric that I that I keep hearing, for all the anger, and some of it understandable, that is in our country right now, I think people got to understand, it's one thing to talk uh, about anger and, and talk, you know, about the things you're frustrated about and, 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 and certainly things you're concerned about. But war with your fellow neighbors, we did that before as a nation, and it was not a pretty sight. And I pray to God we don't go through anything like that again. But what concerned me is, one, twofold, I hear a lot of rhetoric like that. But the second thing that concerned me is it was a Christian that was spreading that. Christians are are called to be marked by peace and unity. And Christians should know better. And, and, and we need to remember that our message is a message of peace and reconciliation to God through his son, Jesus Christ. That is the gospel message that the church has been entrusted to proclaim and to carry into the world. And we, instead of adding fuel to the fire of division, we should be a display of God's wisdom in bringing about the ultimate unity that is only possible under the banner of Jesus Christ. Our passage from this episode here today talks about how, for the Apostle Paul, he's speaking of himself individually, but certainly as a Christian that's part of the church, we're called to bring to light in a dark world God's plan of salvation. You see, this is the thing that continues to 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 get at me as as we continue to live in this in this really intense cultural political um, you know uh, age where things are just so uh, intense in the atmosphere. As Christians, as evangelicals who follow Jesus, who believe the Bible is the Word of God, it is important that we remember that we live in a world. That is a dark place, and we are called to shine the light of Jesus. And we are engaged in spiritual warfare. And that spiritual warfare is not against our neighbors down the street. It's not against uh, people who, who live a lifestyle we may disagree with biblically. It's not against people who, who vote differently than we do. Uh, our war is against spiritual forces of evil that are at work in the world who want to keep your liberal and conservative neighbors spiritually blinded to their need for Jesus Christ. 
And so it's our calling to bring to light, to shine the light of Jesus and of his gospel to a lost and dying world. We're called to embody God's wisdom. And the ultimate wisdom, if you look at the context that Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 2 leading into 3, he's talking about how incredible is it that God's plan all along was to bring Gentiles, non-Jews, into God's family through the cross of Jesus, to bring Jews and Gentiles who who hated one another, who, you know, Jews who were religious, dogs were were higher up than Gentiles. Uh, Gentiles were so unredeemable. They were so lost. They were so uh, bad. And yet through the cross of Christ, the Bible says that God has broken down the walls of hostility that stood between Jews and Gentiles for, for millennia. And now he brings them together. And it says that Christ himself is their peace. He is our peace under the banner of Jesus. God brings us together to be one body, one family, one church, ultimately, to be a display to the world, to have oneness in heart, and to be a living testimony to the unity, the peace, the reconciliation, and the love that must first be visible between fellow Christians themselves to an unbelieving world. And yet, sadly, as someone who has been raised in the church, I can attest, as I'm sure most of you listening could, that oftentimes conflicts with fellow Christians are worse than conflicts with non-Christians. And I'm sure you've at least either known someone or been part of a church split or or or, or left one church to another. Maybe you have because of hurt or because of offense. And so, sadly, just as the enemy has successfully... Uh, just as, I mean, here's the deal. Uh, America's enemies are laughing and, and are with glee watching how our country has become so tied down with gridlock and bitter partisanship. And they are hoping for the worst of the worst to come for us. And spiritually speaking, we have been told that the church will, will, will overcome the gates of hell. The church is, is built on the pillar of God's truth. And so the church of Jesus Christ, believers in Christ, if you read church history and if you look at the story of, of, of the church, how the church has always gone against the grain, the church has throughout history faced waves of pressure and persecution, and yet the church has been able to influence culture and to help share the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. And yet the greatest threat to the church is not Satan. It's not demons. It's, it's not the ACLU. It's not uh, who's going to win the next election. The greatest threat to the church is us. It's we who are the greatest threat and hindrance to the church. Because when we forget the main thing, and keeping the main thing the main thing. When we forget to keep our focus on Jesus Christ and to make sure he's being glorified, when we forget that we are called to share the good news of Jesus, when we forget that we are called to love our fellow Christian, and that we forget we're called to bear with one another in love, that we're called to, to do everything we can personally to make peace, with our fellow Christian, if if we're having a problem with them. When we forget those things, when we get distracted, 
and we get divided, that's what hinders the church. That's what gives a bloody nose to the name of Jesus Christ in our world. And recently I've just been reminded of, of how when we allow uh, little things to, to divide us, uh, to, to keep us from being united, that will, that will hinder our ability to carry out what God actually wants you and I to be about, sharing Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 4, if you read the first few verses there, the Apostle Paul urges his fellow Christians to, to, to um, have humility toward one another and, and, and again, to, to, to be at peace with one another. And, and he urges them to maintain the bond of peace. And then he goes on to say, remember, there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one hope that we have in Jesus. In other words, what, what unites us, what we have in common as Christians, the same Savior, the same God, the same Bible, the same hope, the same future, the same ultimate calling to make an impact in the world for Christ— those commonalities should far outweigh any differences we may have. Differences of opinion on things. Differences with our personalities. Differences with our communication styles. Differences with our gifts. God made a diverse church, a diverse body. We're not called to be uniform, to be the same. We are called to be diverse. But we are also, in our differences, called to come together and be united because when we do that, we can make such a greater impact on the cause of, for the cause of Christ in our world. And yet what often befalls Christians, fellow Christians in churches, is that we allow, we allow ourselves to be distracted by trivial matters. We forget what the main thing is, the main message that we have. Uh, we, we, we are far more vocal and verbal about our opinions on what I call secondary tier issues than, than on focusing on proclaiming the biblical gospel and biblical truth with conviction, but also with compassion. We, we, we allow ourselves to become divided when we don't resolve differences Particularly if there's hurt involved, if there's pain involved, we don't go to the person as Jesus tells us to and try and work out and reconcile. We don't listen to one another. Boy, is that something. That's a podcast in itself. We don't listen. We don't know how to listen. We're in an age where we're used to shouting at each other instead of dialoguing and listening. And just recently, I got unfriended by somebody else that didn't like uh, what I had to say. And it's sad because when we surround ourselves with echo chambers of people that just affirm and confirm what we already think and believe, that's dangerous for us. And that's harmful for the health of our faith and for our growth. Very rarely does a division that occurs between professing Christians or churches occur because of biblical reasons. For example, if you're attending a church that's decided it's going to, to erode its, its confidence in the authority of Scripture or, or make moral compromises on, on, on big issues, obviously in those cases and those situations, division is there for a reason and you should leave and you should move on. And yes, even among Christians, Paul and Barnabas, they loved each other as brothers in Christ, but they did eventually part ways amicably, but they did have some conflict. And sometimes you have to agree to disagree on some things. But I so feel saddened at how so easily we allow ourselves to be tied down 
with divisions, with disagreements, with differences, to the point to where we can no longer keep our our spirit of unity among each other so that we could display the wisdom of God to an unbelieving, scoffing world. See, souls are at stake. We cannot afford to play games. We cannot afford to to, to approach church and ministry like, like it's Game of Thrones or The Last Kingdom. And yet, so sadly, I, I see so many churches that, that do that. And obviously, having been a pastor for years and, and, and been in the church for pretty much my whole life, again, when we play these games of thinking it's about us and forgetting it's about Jesus having his way in us, when we allowed our pride to get in the way or when we choose to to allow resentment and unforgiveness to, to spring up in our hearts. The Bible warns that will defile others. It will be a spiritual cancer for our soul and ultimately for the soul of the church. We cannot allow ourselves to fall into that trap. I recently was thinking about a Twilight Zone episode. It's one of my favorites. I'm a huge fan of the original series from the late 1950s, early 60s, Rod Serling, and every year I watch that that New Year's Twilight Zone marathon. And there's one episode in particular that comes to mind. It's called The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. And uh, I recently retold this to my church as well in a sermon that I preached about a similar subject, uh, almost the same as this. It's been on my heart for a while. And in that episode, The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street, um... It really revolves around this one street. It's like a, a, a Leave it to Beaver type street. It's like a Mayberry type town. And so you have this one street in suburbia where all of a sudden uh, some kind of UFO flies over and all of a sudden all of the electrical outlets and appliances and power goes out on this one street. And all the neighbors come out and they're trying to figure out what's going on. Why did this happen? Well, one boy happened to be reading a comic book about alien invasions. And he said to the crowd of neighbors, he said, Well, you know, I just was reading in this comic book that when there's an alien invasion imminent, what they'll often do is they'll send a scout ahead of them. And uh, and, and that scout will di- disguise himself as, as, well, one of us. And so at first, the, the neighbors chuckle and they laugh, but then they get kind of nervous looking at each other, thinking, man... What if that's true? What if an enemy invasion is coming and an alien is among us, but they look like us? Well, then all of a sudden, one house comes on, its power comes on, or its car turns on. And so the neighbors turn on that neighbor and say, hey, how come your car is on? How come your house has power? And then they'll start accusing each other of things. And and as the episode unfolds, the tension builds. And, and before you know it, the neighbors are throwing rocks at each other and they're shooting each other and it's pure chaos. And the camera backs up as the episode ends and you can see the the street in a distance. And then you see two aliens talking to each other. And one says to the other, do you understand how we do this now? All we need to do is mess around with them a little bit and then sit back and watch them destroy one another. And that I fear is what continues to plague fellow Christians in churches. We are in the midst of a very divisive time in our country and in the world. 
Now more than ever, we must answer the call of Jesus Christ to be that shining city on a hill, to remember that we are family, brothers and sisters in Christ. We may have different personalities. We may have different style preferences. We may have different gifts, but God has called us to work together to keep the bond of peace so far as it depends on us, to reconcile with one another so that we could further the work of being the ultimate display to a divided, hate-filled, angry, cold-hearted world that is spiritually spiritually lost of who Jesus Christ is and what he can do in your heart, the peace that he brings, as well as the unity. Boy, does America need to see that today. I pray we rise to the challenge. I pray that we will all resolve to resolve any open-ended conflicts, hurts, or pains with fellow Christians or churches. I pray we come back to remembering to keep the main thing the main thing. To remember what really matters. To remember to not be distracted or divided over things that are petty that would keep us from focusing on things that are eternal. I end this episode as I do at the close of each one with an admonition to each of you from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. May you stand firm in your faith and let everything that you do be done in love. God bless.